Our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, be they the Bibles that you brought with you today or your Bible app, and I'm going to ask you to just take a journey with me for a few minutes. The title of today's message is A Divine Encounter. If I were to ask you to think back over the last 20 years of your life, just the last 20 years, are there any particular experiences that would bubble up to the top? I'm sure for many of us there are quite a few. And yes, some would be very joyful, and also there are experiences that would not be joyful, but would probably be sorrowful. Today's text begins 20 years after Jacob has traveled from his home to a foreign country where his mother, Rebecca's brother, Laban, lived for 20 years. He has lived and worked for Laban. He left home at the age of 77, and now he is 97. And yes, you're right. Biblical years of age are different from how we count ages today. Some of you are struggling right now thinking, oh, no, Pastor Michelle, don't ask me to do anything. After all, I'm 80, and what, he was 97? Jacob. 
had a divine encounter. And I would suggest to you today that just as Jacob had a divine encounter, God desires for you and me to have divine encounters with the awesome living God through Jesus the Christ. Let us pray. Loving and gracious Lord, our God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be pleasing to you. O oh Lord, you truly are our strength and you are our redeemer. Amen. This particular lesson, chapter 32, is the fourth of five Jacob stories. We would have to begin with chapter 25 when we are introduced to Jacob and his twin brother Esau in their mother Rebekah's womb. You remember the story. Rebecca finally gave birth to twins who were wrestling even while she was carrying them. And as they were exiting the womb, Esau came out first, but, but the baby Jacob was holding on to his foot. Do you recall that? You could not, if you remember. And so chapter 25 begins the story of these two brothers. And so the first lesson, chapter 25 through uh, 27, tells us about these boys, and they, and they grow up. And we discover that um, Jacob decides that he wants what Esau has. And that's Esau's birthright or the privilege of the firstborn, one who would receive possessions and, and inheritance. He decides he wants that. And so you recall the story Jacob uh, says to Esau, who comes to him one day starving, if you want to eat what I've just prepared, said Jacob, then give me your birthright. And Esau says in that moment, well, what good is a birthright if I'm, if I'm starving to death? And so he gives them his birthright. Lesson number one. And then we find that uh, because of, of the selling of the birthright, we also discover that um, Jacob doesn't stop there. Because you see the word Jacob means supplanter, one who supplants, one who takes over. We find that Jacob continues living out his uh, name. And so in chapter 27, Jacob decides to deceive his father, Isaac. And so with the help of his mother, Rebekah, he pretends that he's Esau, and now he receives the blessing of the firstborn. A blessing that consists of inheritance, double possessions, one who is going to multiply and through him, others will come forth and be leaders. He receives the blessing. And when Esau discovers that his brother Jacob has once again deceived him, he decides he's going to kill his brother. Oh, he'll wait, he says, until his father dies. But oh, he's going to kill Jacob. And then we come to chapter 28, whereby Rebekah realizes that Esau is going to kill her son and she doesn't want to have two dead sons. And so she now sends Jacob to her brother Laban, who lives in Haran, and Jacob escapes. 
Now, the title of this message is A Divine Encounter. Jacob's first divine encounter, Jacob's first encounter with God takes place as he is running away from his brother. Let me just say to you, brothers and sisters, beloved of the Most High God, when you look at this story from the beginning, what you see is human beings trying to help God complete what God says God is going to do. Let me explain. Back in Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abram, leave your country purses and go to a land that I will show you. And Abram, out of obedience, did that. And you know that his name changed from Abram to Abraham. And God said, I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Pastor Michelle's translation. Look at the sand. You're going to have more progenies that you will not be able to count them. I'm going to bless you. And when God gave Abram that promise, he was an old man. God promised Sarah, Abram's wife, I'm going to bless you with a child. And Sarah started looking at her watch and said, okay, now, God, you know I'm old and you haven't done it yet, so let me help you out. Pastor Michelle's paraphrase. And so you know what happened? Instead of Sarah waiting on God, she decided she would give Abraham her her servant, Hagar, and then there would be a child. And Ishmael was born. And God came back and said, that's not what I said I would do. And so, eventually, Sarah became pregnant with Isaac, the promised one. God made a promise to Abraham that I will bless you. God made a promise, that same promise, that same covenant was bestowed upon Isaac. I'm going to bless you. And Rebecca knew about that promise. And she wanted to make sure that her favorite son, Jacob, received the promise. And so she deceived Isaac, her husband. I I invite you to read uh, chapter uh, 27. You see, what, 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 what Rebecca forgot was that when she inquired of the Lord about the twins that were wrestling in her womb, God told her that the secondborn would be leader over the firstborn. God already told her what was going to happen, and yet she, like Sarah, decided she would help God out. God does not need our help. Whatever God says God is going to do in your life, trust God to do it in your life the way God wants to do it, when God wants to do it. You do not need to help God out. I speak from experience. And so now we find in chapter 28 that uh, Jacob is running away from home for his life. 
And it's, it's, it's in this chapter that he has his first divine encounter at Bethel. He's resting at night, and, and there's this ladder. You remember the story. I'm going to hurry. There's this ladder that, that descends from heaven, and he sees the angels going up and down, up and down. And, and there is this voice, who, and the Lord God stood behind him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and for the north, I'm sorry, and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That first divine encounter whereby God shares with Jacob the promise, the covenant that God had shared with Abraham and that God had shared with Isaac. And so, and so Jacob calls that place Bethel, the house of God. And so, and so he travels on to Haran, and in uh, chapter 29, that next lesson, he meets not only Laban, but he also meets his future wives, Leah and Rachel. I'm going to ask you to please read chapter 29. You know, there are some people who believe they can outsmart anybody and everybody, and then one day they discover that they cannot because they met their match. Well, in his uncle Laban, um, the deceiver Jacob met the great deceiver. And so Jacob works for Laban for 20 years. And then one night, God speaks to Jacob, and he tells Jacob, return to your home. And Jacob chooses, I mean, Jacob decides he's going to do that. And so in verse 32, we find that Jacob has a divine encounter, another one with God. And and before that divine encounter, he he decides he's going to take his family, his wives, his servants, his 11 sons and one daughter, Dinah, that's not mentioned in the scriptures, all that he possesses, and he's going to leave. And afraid that Laban will stop him, he sneaks away. Because Jacob knows that Leah and Rachel, his two wives, Laban's daughters, still belong to Laban. Because in those days, they were considered properties. So now we come to chapter 32. Jacob is going to go back home because God has told him to go back home. And Jacob, being a very wealthy man, is obedient. But Jacob is also afraid. He's afraid that Esau 
is going to kill him. Jacob discovers in chapter 32 that it does not matter how much wealth one might have. It doesn't matter how clever one might be. In a situation like that, the wealth nor the cleverness matters. Jacob is desperate because Jacob believes that his brother Esau still has a grudge against him and is still determined to kill him. Have you ever been desperate? Have you ever felt as though you're, you were between what is called a rock and a hard place, that no matter what others may think about you, even if they think you have life in the palm of your hands, you know that things are not going well? Have you ever felt desperate, not knowing where to go or who to turn to? Have you ever felt desperate as though there were no other options for you? If you have ever felt desperate, then you can relate to and identify with Jacob. You've heard the scripture read in your hearings. He's going to appease Esau with gifts. He sends flocks ahead of him. He divides his camp up, thinking, well, if Esau comes and attacks me, if he kills one camp, then the other camp of people can escape. He, he's desperate. He's scared. He's frightened. He doesn't know if he's going to see another day. Have you ever been there? And in the midst of all of that, he finds himself alone, and there's another divine encounter. I, I want to just say to you this morning that if you find yourself in a place of desperation, call upon the one who can help you and, and one whom you can put your trust in. And that's our awesome God who's been revealed through Jesus Christ. So that night alone, a man comes, we know that it is God, and he wrestles with Jacob. This wrestling, I would suggest to you, my brothers and sisters, is a, is, is a transformative experience for Jacob. Because you see, Jacob has realized that the schemes that he has been used to carrying out in the past just don't work anymore. And so he wrestles. And it appears as though he's winning and it's about daybreak, and the wrestler says, let me go. And Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. I, I'm hearing desperation there. I, I, I'm not letting you go because I know you are my only hope in this situation. And so the wrestler, God, asked this powerful name. So what's your name? And Jacob responds, it's Jacob, the supplanter, one who gets over on people, 
And the man says, you shall no longer be called Jacob. You shall now be called Israel because you have, you are one who strives with God. And then Jacob asked the question, please tell, tell me your name. It, it, Tell me your name. You see, back in the ancient days, people believed if I know your name, then I know your character. And if I know your name, by knowing your name, there's, I know who you are. And the man said, why is it that you ask my name? And then he blessed them. Well, <laughs> Jacob says, he, he called that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. And the sun rose upon him as he passed, limping because of his hip. In the course of the wrestling, as you know, the man touched his hip, and it was dislocated. Pastor Michelle, what do you want me to glean from this lesson today? There are several things. First of all, I want you to remember that God longs to have a divine encounter with you and with me. And like Jacob, we have to prepare for that encounter. We have to literally set aside time to engage with God. We have to remove the distractions, electronics, conversations. Carve out time for you and for God. The second thing that I want us to remember from this lesson today is that our God is a God who keeps God's covenant. The covenant, the promise was made with Abraham. And the covenant was passed on to Abraham's son Isaac. And the covenant is passed on to Israel. I want us to know that our God is a covenant-keeping God because we, too, are covenant people. Through Jesus Christ, we've entered into this covenant with the awesome living God. And just as God has upheld, just as God upheld God's promise, with Israel, God will uphold God's promise with us, God's people, through Jesus the Christ. In a few minutes, we will be coming to the Lord's table, and we will be reminded that the covenant that we have with God, this new covenant, is made possible through the death of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. We are a covenant people. We are God's people. 
And God longs to have not an intermittent divine encounter with us. God longs and desires to have an ongoing divine encounter with us on a daily basis. A time that, that we refer to as prayer time. Time that we set aside just to spend with God. For some, it may be one hour for others. It may be two hours for others. It may be 15 minutes for others. It may be 30 minutes for others. I don't know how much time you can set aside. But I encourage you, starting today, to set aside that time whereby you will be able to experience a divine encounter with our covenant keeping God. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O Lord, for your word that sustains us and strengthens us. We thank you for the, the word today that reminds us that you truly are a covenant-keeping God, and you have kept that covenant with us through Jesus to Christ, the one who ushers, into a, who ushers in a new covenant. We thank you that just like Israel, when we accept that covenant, we do experience a name change. We thank you that the old has passed away and the new is now within us. Keep us ever mindful that we belong to you and you belong to us. Keep us ever mindful of the need to spend that time with you whereby we are reassured that we belong to you and you belong to us. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.